This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Ying.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all on superstars. She pulled my hair with my lipstick on, in a glass of purple dry. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Very quickly, before I formally read the bio and introduce my guest, Linda Marshall, of today, I just want to quickly, as I always do, thank my corporate sponsors, Honda, Halton Honda, and Forever for believing in myself, my guest of each week, and the content that we bring to the global listeners and the podcast subscribers. I also wish to thank my friends and family over at CC. Sweet Radio Network, where, of course, following the live show, you can eventually find the podcast link of my interview of my guest of each Friday. So who is my guest today? Well, what I can tell you is Linda Marshall is the president of Marshall Connects Incorporated. After a fulfilling 32-year career in senior roles at Mohawk College, Linda Marshall pursued a personal passion and established Marshall Connects. Linda offers a unique perspective on the development of people talent, which helps corporations and organizations build programs to fully engage their staff and teams. Through strategic consulting services, engaging workshops, dynamic coaching, and meaningful keynotes, Linda has one goal, to grow, develop, and inspire her audiences, your people. Linda is the author of Giving Back, How to Find Your Personal Joy and Make a Difference to Others. As a member of the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers, CAPS, CAPS, Speaker U, and a certified EQ facilitator, Linda Marshall brings her many years of on-the-ground experience to help business businesses succeed in developing and maintaining strong team dynamics and effective leadership. Wow, that's quite the repertoire. Welcome to the show, Linda. How are you, our friend? Thank you, Lisa. I'm wonderful and happy to join you today. Well, it's so lovely to finally have you here. We've been talking about this for quite some time before the lead-up of today. So this is uh, really, I'm really grateful for the gift of your time because clearly you're off the hook and you're doing all kinds of lovely things to pay it forward and to be of service to others. So the fact that you've shared your time with myself and the global listeners and eventually the podcast subscribers, I just want to say thank you so much. I don't take any of that for granted. Um, I also want to just quickly say congratulations on all of your success, your long-standing career, and all of your momentously impressive accomplishments. So let's just dive right in, Linda, because of course, even though my audience would know that this is organic, it's unscripted, I think it makes for a much more authentic discussion. Um, I am always first and foremost curious to know the inception of my guest journey. So where did this what we would now glean and garner for what your journey is today. What was this birthed out of? What what was going on in the backstory decades ago for you to now be where you are today? Well, I, I started my career um, very, very young. Um, I graduated from uh, uh, early childhood education 
Mm-hmm. And that's where I started my journey. Uh, and I worked at Mohawk College, and I was so fortunate to have 18 different careers while I was there for 32 years. Wow. Um, so from taking care of young children, uh, working adults, working in human resources, uh, public relations, special events. So I, I was really very fortunate. And from that opportunity, about four years ago, I decided that I wanted to take all my knowledge and bundle it up and move to a different chapter of my life. And so I summoned all the courage I could, and that's what I did. Fantastic. Well, good for you. And what I will say for the listening audience uh, who may or may not know this, but we share Mohawk College uh, in common, Linda. I am part of the alumni. I am a graduate from the Child and Youth Care Worker Diploma Program and uh, actually was the convocation speaker a couple years ago. I have nothing but love and gratitude in my heart for everybody who was instrumental in my journey at Mohawk College. So for everything that you've done to pay it forward for all of those students and the faculty, uh, I just want to say once again, congratulations, because uh, education, and there's so many different aspects of education, whether we call it life learning, whether we call it post-secondary, college, university, co-op experiences, uh, this is truly what molds each of us in the tapestry of our own lives. So, you know, if we can maybe talk a little bit about the combination of you know, your experiences within institutionalized education, coupled with everything else that you do from the life experience of interfacing with uh, clients and people who you're speaking to, you know, let's talk a little bit about how you've combined everything you've learned to make that completely beautifully packaged for yourself. Okay, thank you. Well, I, I see it and I, I speak with my clients about this. It's really, I, I and most of us are on a journey to excellence. Uh-huh. And I really felt that, you know, I w- wasn't ready to retire, but I retired from Mohawk to, oh, to a new chapter, as I said. And so when I first opened Marshall Connects, I really uh, knew that I wanted to do some consulting and training because that was part of my path, but wasn't quite sure and ended up uh, uh, really writing my book basically by accident. I, um, after I was accepted as a member of CAPS uh, as a, as a uh, speaker, I went to a conference and I actually went into the wrong workshop. And so uh, it was was just hilarious. I went, you know, there's nobody sits at the front. So of course there's a seat at the front. So I, I got in, sat down and realized that it was the workshop I was at was not um, how to, it was called how to book your business. I thought it was the one side it was how to build your business, your speaking business. Mm -hmm. So once I sat there, I thought, well, I'm I'm not going to get up now. And I, I truly believe, and I write about this, that, we learn something from everybody and everything every day. So I thought this would be my learning. By the end of the workshop, I decided to step out of my comfort zone and write a book, something I never would have even considered doing. And that sort of took me down a total different path when I took that step. Fantastic. Wow. And as I oftentimes say, I don't believe in accidents or coincidences. I believe that things are synergistically aligned. And whether it's unbeknownst to us at the time, of course, we all know hindsight 2020, that's when you can, in fact, connect the dots. Then you have that aha moment. That's when you have the epiphany. And that's when you go, of course, that was meant to happen. And then you have a little chuckle with yourself because that's the universe basically rewarding you for for maybe subconsciously, consciously 
asking for that, right? I believe what we put out there into the universe is what in fact shows up. So that's awesome. I love those kinds of stories. So, you know, when I was doing my research on you, Linda, you know, it was very impressive outside of everything I read about you. But um, just for the benefit of the listening audience, uh, because of course, our expansive listenership is global. So people may not know who you are uh, across the board. But when I read one of the testimonials on your site and it says here quote i have had the opportunity to work with and meet many great influential community leaders linda marshall truly stands out above many of them and this was written by karen shea crown council ministry of the attorney general that's very impressive good for you yes thank you fantastic so if we can talk a little bit about the book itself you know what what was the catalyst in that particular type of book the messaging the title uh the content itself what was happening for you at that particular moment where you thought this is exactly the book i need to write well interesting uh, basically um i when i it was a real transition for me uh, to sort of start on my own because I was always used to working with large groups of people and teams, which I, which I thrived on. And it, to be totally honest, it took me about two years to get to know myself and really like being alone with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that made me the first few months uh, when I was starting to build my book, I started to think about why is that? Why, what am I missing? And so I, I had to really take uh, some time and sort of go through my life. And I, like many people, have many crucibles in my life. And, of course, they frame you, uh, these crucibles, the things that happen that really make a change in your life. And at the time, they're pretty devastating, but it's how we pick ourselves, how pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, just how resilient we are. And I believe that every opportunity builds your resilience. And so from that, I started to think about how fortunate I was and that I Really, I, I coined the phrase uh, living a drive-by life. When I stepped back and realized um, I was living what I call a drive-by life, which means I was not enjoying the moments as they occurred. It's really the opposite of living in the moment. Hmm. And so I would have all these wonderful opportunities. And at the end of the day, I have, have, have met with many people, had many meetings. I did a lot of community work as well as my work at the college. And I would have these wonderful things to share. And I wouldn't be able to remember who told me about them and who shared them with me. And so I thought, wow, this is like, this is too much. Like I have to sort of dig back through the multiple connections of the day. And I thought, no, this is really probably not the way I want to live my life. And so I started to step back and sort of uh, talk a little bit about my life and some of the lessons I've learned along the way and sort of built uh, chapters in the book um, that I think were lessons I need to, to go back and revisit. And from that, I started to really dig into my own personal emotional intelligence. And that took me on another level of learning. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And so when we talk about emotional intelligence and we take into account uh, your succinct explanation and insights as to, you know, what precipitated this book, uh, getting traction and knowing that with clarity it needed to be written, um, you know, a lot of people talk generically speaking about some of the things that catapulted them in the direction of where they now are. Um, but because this is mind, body, spirit, and yes, we do showcase a lot of entrepreneurs here, I know that the listening audience is always looking for very specific nuggets, really 
tangible storytelling to really go, oh, okay, I may not be able to understand those specific set of circumstances, but I understand the myriad of emotions that would accompany that, and I can relate to that based on ABC of what's occurred in my life. So you said something that was very interesting to me, Linda. You said, you know, it took you a long time to feel comfortable being by yourself. Why do you think that is or was? I, I think it's because of the life that I built. We, um, I think many people live a drive-by life, uh, if not every day, certain parts of the day. Like you consider what you get up and do in the morning without thinking. It's just you're on autopilot. And you just spin through the day from the time you step out of bed, jump in the shower, make the coffee, all the things. And if you're, if you're taking children, making lunches, all those things. And what we can accomplish in a short period of time, we're just constantly buzzing. By the time we get to our first destination, we, if you look back and make a list of all the things you did, you'd be amazed. So I feel that what happened in my life is I just kept building on it, building on it. And I, I love the buzz. I love the energy but I really wasn't enjoying the pieces. So mm-hmm. I think that that's what happens when we live a drive-by life, but we really are robbing ourselves when we don't, when we don't enjoy uh, a conversation with somebody, when we buzz by them and say good morning and don't stop uh, and have a meaningful connection. And so I just, I feel that's what was lacking. And so I was so used to being around people and being fulfilled, I lost sight of who I was and what some of my personal basic needs were. Okay. And so when did you actually feel that you were getting your mojo back? What What was the defining moment for you? Was it writing the book? Was it tapping into the correlation between that being the reason why you felt the book was necessary and then the creativity process and the self-learning that evolved out of the book? Was that your defining moment for when it started to shift for you? I, I, you know what, I think it was all those things because, again, I didn't plan on writing a book. And the book writing is just something very cathartic. And, again, I really started to do a lot of digging in and yeah. realizing uh, where I was strong and the areas I needed to develop. Then I sort of fell into, I started training groups of people um, and realizing that every time someone said, well, Linda, will you do something on uh, leadership or on employee engagement or team building? I always go back to the basis of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? Emotional intelligence, some of those key competencies, self-awareness, self-management, mm-hmm. social awareness, and relationship management are all part of our learning. So then I decided to become certified at, at even further, and I help people do assessments because what I found is what I learned in myself, other people needed to learn too. Mm-hmm. So they need to realize all the wonderful things I have, but you sometimes have to step back, take a deep breath, ask yourself the question, and be brave enough, have the courage to really listen to, you know, what, what you're being told or what's out there, what, what that assessment says, and really considering um, and leveraging what you do well mm-hmm. and focusing on what you need to develop. And I always say it's only weakness if you've tried it, never accomplishment accomplished it many of us haven't tried things and we're That's not right. really good at that but how do you know until you actually try it absolutely so, you know, you know and, and really um we develop our emotional intelligence when we get out of our comfort zone and i was in my comfort zone at Mount college i was with the family i mean i i lived with i've been married 36 years so 
I lived at Mohawk, but they were my second family for 32 years. I lived with my parents and siblings for 20 years and with my husband for 36. So Mohawk, really, my work that I did there really played a great deal uh, on, on my life. And I was so grateful for it. You know, so often we don't realize what we have until we don't have it or until something shifts and changes. Very but true. Instead of being grateful, it's not, sometimes we become bitter and angry. And I found mm-hmm. a lot of the people that I work with, we start to become, we have these expectations, we feel entitled. And we do the same things with our children. We mm-hmm. try to give our children all the things we never had. But that's not always the best thing. It makes mm-hmm. us feel good, but perhaps it's not the best thing for the children or those around them. Very true. Very true. You know, so when we talk about, you know, some of the parallels and not just between yourself and myself, uh, Linda, but for many of the guests that I've previously showcased on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, you know, there's a lot of people who are in this oversaturated industry. There's a lot of people who talk uh, quite consistently and not to say that it's not authentic, but, you know, there's the buzzwords, there's mindset, there's legacy, there's emotional intelligence, there's leadership, uh, there's, you know, attitude and and gumption and hustle and grit and all these different things and even within different echelons of what we would garner for people who would be so-called on that platform of leadership top tier leadership or thought leaders you can still see that there's discrepancies or inequities or um, things that would discern differences um, visible differences between certain people who really grasp the lingo because they are in fact living it and not based on success but you know based on soft skills based on nuance, based on intuitiveness, based on, you know, certain people being able to glean things without uh, it necessarily having to be spoon-fed to them. Call it within a coaching client uh, session, uh, what, however you want to, you know, um, define it. But, you know, what, what for the listening audience, if you could, uh, Linda, if you could maybe break down emotional intelligence and really what does what does that at the deepest core really mean well really it, 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 for a lot of people um, it, it, the emotional intelligence are basically the soft skills uh, <laughs> in our lives and but really it's when you're able to understand to recognize <laughs> understand and manage your emotions and those of others Mm-hmm. And that is a very tall order. So first of all, just go to recognize your emotions. If you're living a drive-by life, like I was, or certain times a day, you don't recognize your emotions because you're just buzzing through them. You're just moving forward. Mm-hmm. And so first of all, we have to say, I'm feeling happy, I'm feeling frustrated, I'm feeling angry, and be able to label our emotions. Many of us can't. But when In my days of working with children, um, we help them label their emotions. And, and as parents, we help them label emotions but we get to a point where it becomes innate and we just we don't think about them so mm-hmm. you want to be able to recognize them once you recognize them then you're able to manage them a little differently and you want to really know why do i feel angry um, and it's okay a lot of people struggle with emotions and they try to hide their emotions and you know they get a feeling i write i write blogs every week and almost all of them are related to emotional intelligence and mm-hmm. so sometimes we get these thoughts and feelings we want to hide them but emotions are important. They're such a big part of our lives. We receive over 50,000 thoughts that comes into our brain each and every day. And depending on how we respond and act, 
We couldn't possibly respond to them all, but we have to use our brain to decipher what we will act on. And mm-hmm. so if emotions send triggers, there can be warning signs. And so if we try to hide them, we often will miss something that's very, very important. So, you know, it, managing my emotions makes a difference on how I, I live my life and how people respect me and work with me. Because people will say to me, well, Linda, okay, I, I get it. I can, I can learn to manage my emotions. Some days are better than others. But how is it possible for you to manage other people's emotions? And, you know, it does sound very strange, but the, the truth is, is that the stronger our emotional intelligence, the more intuitive we become. True. And the more intuitive we become, we learn to read people's body language. Mm-hmm. We learn to read how they're feeling, their behaviors. And so when you're working on a team and you get to know people, whether it's your family team or your work team, you get to know people and their needs. What you do is, for example, if Bob comes into work every morning at 8.30 and you've observed him, and it takes a good half hour to get into to get his mojo, whatever. Uh, then I no longer run to Bob at 8:45 and say, "Bob, I need something." Mm-hmm. I wait until I see Bob is ready, and I so I read his body language. I'm much more likely to get the support that I need from Bob or that question answered than I am if I go at the wrong time. So I Very true. Our, so our children, our siblings, our, our partners are all so different as we learn to read people and understand what what makes them tick we become influential and so what we want is strong leaders people with high emotional intelligence we want to be influential we want people to listen and follow us so as a leader if you respect me and you follow me the chances of you having my back and and making sure that we get that project done is 100 percent more than if you don't respect me and i don't have influence on you so all of these things are huge and of course empathy is a very large part of emotion yes yes you you probably know many people who can count on one hand right off the bat that you think have strong emotional intelligence and then there'll be those people that you think from maybe not so much Mm -hmm. they're not so strong in certain areas so what i do when i work when i do workshop trainings when i do assessments when i do coaching is we really work on a one-on-one basis in a group and we do training on finding out where we are on our own personal journey because none of us are the same. And so we really work through exercise and really trying to understand. The key, the key is really understanding ourselves because self-awareness is really the, is really the key to opening the door on mm-hmm. strengthening your emotional intelligence. So the more we understand who we are, what makes us tick, the more we'll learn to understand others. And as we become more self-aware, we will manage ourselves differently because we know more. Bingo. And so then, yeah, so then from there, those two fall right into social awareness. And well, So the first two are all about us. So self-awareness and self-management are all about us, our person. But then we switch into the next two, which is social awareness and relationship management. Mm-hmm. So social awareness is when you no longer look at your own self and your own needs. You now look at the crowd. You now look at everybody around you. So you're able to step into a room, into a meeting, into a situation, and you immediately get the pulse of what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know who the power players are, and you know where you need to be. So, so social awareness is very important when working with others. And then, mm-hmm. of course, the stronger your social awareness is, the more you will build your relationships with the people around you. 
So true. So true. And so when you reflect upon your own journey, uh, because obviously for you to be immersed in the world that you are and for you to want to be playing a bigger game for yourself so as to anchor other people up and to empower other people to empower themselves and looking to you for the tools in which to help facilitate that and to help navigate that. So when you look at yourself you go inwards and you do that self-assessment um you know what can you say is remarkably striking about yourself from the beginning of the journey to where you currently are what would you say has been the biggest barometer of growth for you growth area um i think i am probably more socially aware Mm-hmm. And I have much stronger relationships, you know, even with my, my children who are adults. You know, there's a time in our lives when, when we're in charge, we're the boss, and we have the last say. But that's not always the best way mm-hmm. to interact with others. And we know young children love choices just like we do. And as time goes on, um, I really had to start to step back and listen to what my children were saying. And I remember one time, on a different occasion, my two daughters said, um, well, you know, Mom, we're not perfect like you. Mm. And that was that was a big changing point. It was a, it was a huge slap in the face to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was that was a realization. You see, people with strong emotional intelligence are not perfectionists. And I right. spent most of my life being a perfectionist. That's how I was raised. And you know, I did so well at my job, everything I took on, and so I was afraid to change and not be perfect because I thought I wouldn't be as good as I was. So I had, that was the journey I learned. I think one of the biggest lessons. And so I understand now that if I'm spending all my time trying to be perfect, keep rewriting that blog and keep planning this and adjusting this and changing my website, I'm missing all the little things that are happening around me. Absolutely. And so I've had to work really hard not to say, let it go, Linda. It's good enough. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because well, getting I, it done, getting it done trumps perfection most of the time. Okay. Well, and that's very key because, you know, for people to uh, be as successful as what you are, and many of the people, everybody who I've showcased on this show is in one way, shape, or form uh, recognized and characterized as being successful. And we all know that there's no such thing as perfection. So why we disillusion ourselves into thinking it's an achievable or attainable uh, realm in which to accomplish. It's ridiculous, but I understand that we can be our harshest, worst critics. And because the more we put ourselves out there, we know there's more people who are now, they have their eyes and ears on us and they're following the pulse of, okay, so what's this person banging out today? What does this person really have to say today? How is this person going to teach me or shift me or grow me? Um, And so with that comes an inherent sense of responsibility because when we are operating within the capacity of what our roles are in terms of leadership, uh, you know, being a keynote speaker, all of those wonderful things, you know, you can really implode. Like if you don't really take a step back and you've prefaced this a couple times with your languaging of, of stepping back and really, you know, honing in on what is truly important, you know, what's real and what's make-believe and what's the story that we're telling ourselves that really doesn't have any true merit. So, you know, would you say that you've gotten better knowing that you've had to uh, in order to become a more self-actualized, evolved human being and to be more proficient and efficient at what you do? 
that the way that you've chosen to then dialogue with yourself and kind of eradicating that whole wor- uh, word of perfection, do you do you think that that's lent true to where you are now in terms of just being human and being relatable and identifiable to people? Yeah, I do. And, you know, I just wrote a blog more recently, you know, uh, no one's perfect. Cut yourself some slack. And, and yep. so a lot of things I write about every week are things that I personally experience or my clients talk about some of the, the needs that they have. And and I, I really do believe that um, you have to step back and mm-hmm. really take the time to look at what you're doing and ask yourself, you know, why am I doing this? Can I make a change? We do get we do get stuck in doing things the same way. And people constantly tell me, oh, you know, I that's how I've always been. And as a child, I, I learned, oh, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but that's not true. Mm-hmm. Because of neuroplasticity in our brains, we have the ability to create new roots in our brains and learn and do things differently. Um, but people say to me, well, how does that work? And I say, well, a couple of things that are really important. Um, unless you have a, a, a form of brain damage, it's possible. But a couple of things play here. One is, you have to intrinsically really want to do it. So you have to mm-hmm. say, I know I need change. I know this. But if you don't buy into it and tell yourself, this is my goal, I'm going to do it, not just give it, you know, just the words, actually the actions, it won't happen. And, and, and the second thing is practice. You know, we can, we can, my clients, they can take one area they want to work on and focus on one thing, and in two weeks, we see noticeable difference. And I've had clients say to me, like I, I, I teach uh, continuing education at the college as well, and people will say to me after three or four weeks, they're asking me at work, what's, what's happened? How have I changed? What am I doing differently? So people start to see. Part of that is you've heard of emotional hijacking. Yeah. A lot of people get hijacked. I get hijacked regularly. It's how I learn to manage myself uh, that will change the outcome of the situation. And so what happens is that people get triggered. Something will happen. Somebody will say something. It will hijack your emotions. And so when we have strong emotional intelligence and we're able to manage our emotions, we will respond differently. So we work on strategies to help retrain what will happen when that person or that situation occurs. So instead of flipping out, losing control, raising my voice, or the opposite, planning up, not talking and walking away, because I was hijacked, what will I do differently? Mm-hmm. So we work on strategies, we work through it, and, and through practice, and again, we will make mistakes, I will, you know, on the weekend, something happened, and I, I really got triggered, and it, it, it really upset me, and I, I was more upset that I got triggered, but then I realized that, again, we're never going to be perfect, but sometimes we get triggered on things in our life that are from, things back when we were children, or Sometimes have you ever found that there's somebody you just can't connect with, and you don't want to say, "I don't like that person," but you just there's something about them. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it happens in the workplace all the time. Someone they'll say, "Well, why? Why are you struggling? Why do you not want to work with them?" But let's let's dig into this. People will say, "Well, there's just something about them." Often, that something about them is something that happened in your past. The person is looks similar, has the same voice tone, or you. Um, has maybe used some phrases or behaviors that were a red flag to you. Mm-hmm. So what happens is people don't really understand that until they stop and say, sit down and sort of journal, what is it about that person, that situation, that wording that upsets me? 
Mm-hmm. When we do that, only you can do that. That's when we can build a plan to work around it. So sometimes we don't even know why, or sometimes we don't like, for example, people who raise their voice or, or, or pull power plays or whatever, or are disrespectful, that can trigger us. Mm-hmm. So we have to learn how to manage our behavior when that happens, because there's, there's a lot of situations that when you're in a workplace or a social setting, you have to deal with it, accept that, and work through it without having your, your emotions hijacked in such a way that you're inappropriate. Very true. And so and, it, yeah, it happens. Absolutely. And, you know, and sometimes you even need to go deeper and go, okay, you know, this is perhaps a mirror. I look upon, you know, everything is a lesson. Every, everything and everyone is here to teach me something. Uh, so sometimes when I, in terms of the work I've done on my own emotional intelligence, if I see something being directed towards me, call it nastiness, call it, you know, um, something that's counterintuitive, something that's really not kind, you know, all of that. I look at that and I sometimes go deeper and I go, you know what, what is it about this person that resonates with me? What is it about me inside of me that I don't want to maybe put the microscope on and go, okay, to what degree could I be like that? Or have I been like that? Or have the potential to be like that? Um, But until I acknowledge in what ways certain things that perhaps may rub me the wrong way, that is sometimes indicative of the things we don't like within ourselves, or we don't choose to acknowledge or heal those aspects of ourselves, uh, where we do so called get triggered. Um, But I think, you know, if we look upon not just focusing on the positive stuff and, you know, vibe attracting tribe and, and synergy and energy. And I mean, that's really where, you know, my attention generally always goes, because of course, what we put our attention on does in fact grow stronger in our life. And that can work for the negative as well as conversely for the positive. But if something, certain aspect or traits or characteristics, things continue to show up in your path, there's usually a reason why that's being placed in front of you and mirrored back to you. And, you know, to the degree that you're going to continue to evolutionary um, evolutionize in your own growth, you need to sometimes pay attention to the, the uncomfortable things and the things you may not want to acknowledge in yourself. But that's really what's going to take you even further in leveling up in your life. I don't know if you agree with that or if you want to yeah, add to that. It's, it's very true. Yes. And so I talked earlier about the 50,000 thoughts. So yes. we get these thoughts. So it's we have to, like, you know, we're having a conversation and I realize, oh my gosh, my meeting is running late and I, I have to pick up my dry cleaning. And so I start thinking, next thing you know, I'm in this mode and I'm not in the moment with the person. People can tell immediately from your eyes, your body language, and you lose the whole train. And really, you really have to get control of yourself because at that point, you're probably not going to get there anyway. Mm-hmm. So you have to sort of push that thought out of your mind and so depending on how strong those thoughts are is depending on how your focus is and you know sometimes I say to people if something keeps coming back similar to what you just said you need to address it yes and it doesn't have to be immediate but you need to put that down and say I've got to go back and do some thinking because there's something there that I need to really uh, look into and find out where that's why, why my feelings are coming that from that direction and again our feelings are important. They send us very important messages. So Absolutely. it's so important that we listen to them. 
Absolutely. So as somebody who's committed to, you know, perpetual ongoing growth, which you are, Linda, you know, uh, and not to say that everything you've accomplished to date isn't like stellar, but I mean, that would never be enough for you because we understand there is no ceiling on growth. It It's continual until the day that we die. So what else is on the trajectory for what you wish to accomplish or what you still feel is in line with your purpose that you have yet to birth or unleash or tap into? Uh, add to the repertoire of books, if you will, uh, whatever else might be upcoming on the speaking circuit. What what else would you want the listening audience to know uh, that's, you know, on the horizon for you? So people who want to follow you as a result of, you know, you resonating with them and them resonating with you on this show, they they can know what's upcoming so they can, you know, reach out to you perhaps. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to share this. But yes, I... I, uh, I currently have a uh, cable show called Business Wellness in Hamilton, mm-hmm. and I talk and have guests uh, from the community that talks about, um, you know, what, what works for them and what doesn't work for them. And so that's been uh, very successful. It's been a great journey, and I, I hope you can hear you that. Um, I'm getting ready to um, publish my second book, just in the writing at the moment. Awesome. Uh, it's, very, it's going to be very focused on emotional intelligence and most, mostly a hand, um, hand book, but really about experiences that people share and, and some successes people have and some challenges. So I think that that would be great. There's a lot of books out there with a great deal of theory on emotional intelligence, but let's put it into our hands and see how it works. So that's a goal. And I'm actually just currently moving an arm of my business into Halifax. Um, wow. So that's exciting for Marshall Connects. Yeah. So it's, I thought, you know, I'm going to move it out east and uh, uh, see what goes. I've, I've done quite a few speaking engagements there and, and sort of built a following. So, yeah, so I'm, I'm moving around. Uh, I, la- I love to do international speaking, but my, my greatest joy is working um, with people and training and actually seeing the difference um, and the changes with them and enjoying that experience. So that, I really enjoy that. Fantastic. And so, you know, I want to go back to giving back. So where can people find your book, purchase your book, you know, seek you for an inscription, you know, any speaking engagements that would include being able to purchase your books, um, you know, any host signings that perhaps might be coming up, anything you can tell us about giving back for people who want a copy of that book? How do they get one? Okay, well, actually, if you come to my website, which is uh, marshallconnects.com, you can mm-hmm. buy a uh, fast copy or you can buy a digital version. Mm-hmm. And um, and, uh, I, and if, you, if you get the uh, fast copy, I certainly can ha- uh, sign it and, uh, and, and mail it out to you in person, that's for sure. Um, uh, I do have various opportunities where I speak at Open Public. I uh, just uh, did a... A uh, big presentation on the emotionally effective leader workshop. Um, so I do that publicly, but I, I generally take a lot. Majority of what I do is I now take it into um, workplaces, and we get groups of people, and sometimes a couple of organizations will pull together. So I still do public, but I'm doing more um, corporate at this time. But of course, I'm always open. Uh, emotional intelligence is one of the biggest topics. But yes. again, uh, with my book, I talk about joy, gratitude. There's a lot of interest in legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I speak a great deal in my book about how we're living our legacy each minute of the day and what a wonderful opportunity is to uh, recognize what we're doing while we're here on this earth to make a difference to those around us uh, and, and not just 
leaving a legacy uh, one more loss, so to say. So I'm, I'm, I'm pro for both, but I really feel when if something's important to you, wouldn't you love to see it and be part of it now? And so I really work a lot with organizations um, and sit on boards, foundations, and that. We really um, talk about that and look at ways to um, allow people to live their legacy. Um, so it's something Fantastic. you can even consider. Oh, I could do something now and actually enjoy, be a part of it. Fantastic. And so when we talk about legacy, because it means different things to different people, how is it that you yeah. wish to most be remembered for? Ah, that's a great question. I, I think that um, I'm big on connections and relationships mm-hmm. and uh, building synergies. And my family um, has a couple of meeting opportunities at Mohawk College uh, in, in the name of our father. And we actually have, have uh, our work is in uh, industry, and so we, we've actually named a building. So I, I recognize the need for that, but I think um, because I, I, I really believe uh, that the school trades are important. And so, you know, for my family, uh, we made our, uh, our business through that, so we want to give back and support, give people a hand up. So I'm all about that, and I, I think it's not something that has to be so specific, but really having passion, living a passionate life, mm-hmm. walking the talk, mm-hmm. and, and trying to make a difference on things that are really important to you. There's so many things out there, and so if we all pick something, um, it won't be the same, and we can all truly make a difference. Very true. Absolutely. Well, for your your journey and and how committed you are to it, there's no doubt that you have been lifting people up along the way and that you have uh, created um, monumental shift in people's lives. And I just want to say for people like yourself, I mean, I can't say thank you enough. You know, I don't I will never know the people in your circles who you've touched, who you've impacted, uh, who it's been completely life altering for. But when you make that your life's purpose and when you're on a mission and clearly you are on a mission and everything you endeavor to do is with the purpose of connecting with people and helping people to then maybe better connect with themselves, because it really is an inside job job you know nothing external changes unless you're committed to doing the work internally and so for anybody who's listening to you for anybody who's picking up a copy of your book and really getting a sense of who you are as Linda Marshall and what you've been committed to there's no doubt that you've really put the microscope on people going okay I want to rise I want to be a better person and it's not about mimicking or mocking or replicating what you as Linda Marshall does it's going okay you know, there's something within me that perhaps I haven't tapped into. Maybe I don't know what my passion is. Maybe I don't know what my purpose is. But these are key questions and life's too short not to at least ask the questions and maybe delve a little bit deeper. And I'm sure as a result of these people crossing paths with you, again, either as clients or readers of your book or uh, people that you've coached or uh, trained one-on-one or in group situations, I'm sure, you know, you've catapulted all kinds of major shift in shifting in these people. So, I just want to say good job, Linda. Good for you. Thank you very much. Actually, it, it, it is it's my pleasure to do what I do, but I, I, I recognize everyone, and I think more now than ever, when you step back and take a look, because we all learn differently, and we mm-hmm. have different ways of making a difference. And, you know, for example, I'm, I'm just in the process of putting up 11 podcasts on emotional intelligence so people can do their own training if they choose to. Um, not everybody can 
you know, get can go to a workshop or open presentation. Not every workplace has the opportunity to set something like this up. But the great thing about emotional intelligence and training is that it's something, it's a journey you can take on your own. So whether mm-hmm. you take the assessment and, and uh, you know, plot from there as a baseline or whether you just start studying with introduction to emotional intelligence and working through. Um, again, we all learn differently, but there's so much out there uh, that we can do that will make a difference in our lives. And as you said, you have to make the changes inside. And mm. that's the key. You know, I can try to, authenticity is everything. I can try to say I'm one person. It's very hard to keep up with that if I'm really not the person I'm pretending to be. Yes. But if I can make some monumental changes one step at a time, mm-hmm. and that's the great thing. Like, you know, when I work with clients, I say, you know, if you don't want to think about a work example, think about a personal example, because once we make the change, it changes holistically. Mm-hmm. And so you're not this person at work one way and at home another way. You you are a different person and you move forward. So that's the thing is, you know, carve out what it is you want, pick a couple of things, and then let's start working on it. And, you know, the key is that uh, never give up. Mm-hmm. Uh, some days are harder than others, but if you uh, are willing to work for it, um, you will not only get to where you want to be, but you will be that much more resilient when you get there. Absolutely. Beautiful. Very important. I'm glad that you impressed upon that with the listening audience. So for the listening audience, you know, they sometimes they because I get their feedback, I receive their testimonials. I'm grateful for all of that because there is huge loyal listenership and engagement here. So for people who are looking and hanging on to your every word, Linda, knowing that, you know, this for me is all about living fearlessly. And that's very much my purpose is to uplift people to, to fear less and to live more. What would be your imparted nuggets, words of wisdom, insights that you would like to impart to the listening audience in terms of how they can perhaps choose to live more fearlessly in their lives? Well, I think a couple of simple things if you want to make change. Some people journal on a regular basis. Others don't. Mm -hmm. Um, You can even get apps that you can journal. But start to think about where you are now Mm -hmm. and where you'd like to be. Mm-hmm. And so where you are now is your comfort zone. Right. And we all fall back into those patterns of comfort zone. You know, what's my favorite place to go? What do I like to eat? Where I, where, where's my, like some of us are introverts, some of us are extroverts. Um, so what is that? So what would it take? And so more recently, I've been trying to get myself out of my comfort zone because you get into a pattern, you get into a behavior. And so saying, okay, what, where would I like to be? And think about it, how important, you might come up with five things. Okay, what's the one thing that will make a difference in my life out of those five things? And then let's make a little plan on how to get there. So again, Mm -hmm. when you look at that, you're really looking at yourself. Mm -hmm. And what is it I want? What is it I need? Um, How do I, because as you, with the fear, we'll always second guess ourselves. Tell Mm -hmm. ourselves we can't do it. We have to get into positive self-talk and talk ourselves through this. And, and that's, you know, when I'm at my lowest, sometimes I'll just be, something will happen and I'll feel a little bit insecure. But it's the first thing you think about all those mistakes you made before. Maybe you're going to make them again. Or if you can catch yourself and say, nope, I am okay. Mm-hmm. I've got this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And start focusing on what you can do. You can get yourself out of that rut. So if you can get yourself out of your comfort zone and have something you want to work for, you're becoming more self-aware. And again, now, now you know what you do well. And what you need to develop is you pick that one thing and you stick on it. And as you do, you will manage yourself differently. And the other thing I tell people about all the time, 
don't be afraid to make your goals public. Because when you tell your friend, your your spouse, your colleague, they will help you. They will remind you. They will lift you up. They will ask you how how you're doing on that goal. And they'll hold you accountable. So that will help you get to the next level. Absolutely. And and people find that that works. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it definitely does work because, you know, and I talk about this quite consistently too. I give people permission to hold me accountable. It's not enough to just write my goals on my sticky notes or do my self-affirmations and proclamations and declarations in the mirror to myself. You know, if I put my stuff out there, and that's living fearlessly because you certainly open yourself up for ridicule, critics, naysayers, people who go, okay, who who does she think she is? You know, and and again, I don't personalize that because if people choose to see me as narcissistic uh, and it goes as opposed to somebody who's driven, who is living fearlessly, who chooses to live fearlessly by putting myself out there to the whole planet and say, you know what, it's not enough for me to say within the confines of my own house or my own head with my own thoughts, you know, I'm going to hold on to my house for my kids, or I'm going to get picked up by a publisher, or I'm going to land Deepak Chopra, or Damon John, or (laughs) whoever on my show, you know, I put it out there so that people can see not only the momentum and that's me measuring my own barometer of growth and holding true to what I say is instrumentally important to me but it's also being the example as you would know Linda it's showing people that it's okay to do that you know give yourself permission to play a bigger game give permission to allow people to hold you accountable because if you're not afraid of that that means that what you're saying you aspire or proclaim to want in your life you're actually authentically meaning it so much so that you you want people to hold you accountable uh for the days that you might be difficult or slipping or you know micromanaging yourself and not doing it effectively and going okay well where's my crew where's my tribe and people come back they circle back okay you said six months ago on facebook that you we're gonna blah 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 blah. Where are you at with that? What's your update? You know? yeah, so, yes, yes. Two, two things to that. One is if you don't love yourself, if you don't have self-compassion, right. else, yeah. and that's a big thing. We make mistakes and we lack self-compassion. It's okay to, to forgive yourself and say, I'm not going to do that. Let me go through it. But a lot of my clients struggle with that that what they do that mistake haunts them. The sad thing is, while you're thinking about that, it's taking you away from doing bigger and better things. So that mistake is keeps hitting you, hitting you again and again. You have to say no and stop that. Other thing that works really well is visualize yourself succeeding. Mm-hmm. And when you visualize yourself succeeding and you see yourself just like athletes do, it makes all the difference. So before I took this call, before I stand up and speak in front of 5,000 people, what do I do? I go through that. So when mm-hmm. I actually get out there on stage, I've actually, well, I didn't know your questions, but I, I could just imagine what they would do. But I do know my presentations. So I walk through them. I close my eyes. I see all those people out there. So when I actually get up and do that, it's not the first time. I mm-hmm. prepare myself. I kind of walk through it. So that really, it, that really makes a difference. And the other thing is no matter what happens in your life, a, a strong strategy in emotional intelligence is staying synchronized. Yeah. And when you stay synchronized, then you can make a change. If you think about what happened with um, uh, Sully on the, um, in New York uh, when he was landing his plane, mm-hmm. what happened was he, you know, he talks all the time. He didn't know what was going to happen. But mm-hmm. immediately when that crisis hit, he went into synchrony mode he yeah. went into staying at the task what did he have to do 
and he followed all those steps. He didn't have negative self-talk. He didn't see himself crashing. He didn't see himself never seeing his children, all those kinds of things. He saw himself landing that plane. Yes. And because he was synchronized, he did it. You see, so those are excellent examples. Uh, we can do anything if we can stay focused, if we can stick to the goal. Mm-hmm. It's possible. And we might have a couple steps along the way. I mean, he might go back and we think I could have done something different. Regardless, he stayed synchronized. And when we do, we find success. Yeah, absolutely. What a beautiful way to end off our interview here. So being cognizant of time, and of course, these interviews always go far too quickly for my liking, Linda. And you're always welcome to come back uh, and be a guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Because this is the type of stuff that I know my listeners are sponging up. I personally, regardless of whether I'm the host of the show or we share synergies with what we do for a living and the parallels between that, I'm forever learning from my peers and colleagues. I'm forever taking notes of every single guest I showcased. And I certainly take even better notes when I'm listening to the podcast when I'm not so called on. So for the time that you've given myself and the listeners and eventually the podcasters here today on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald for everything you continue to endeavor to do, truly being of service, you're a servant leader. I just want to say thank you so much, Linda. Keep shining. You're doing amazing things out there. And on behalf of people I will never know who cross your path, I want to say thank you on their behalf, just so that you know you are in fact appreciated. Uh, So good job. Keep it up. And for my listening audience, I want to thank you once again for being now in excess of half a million living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald podcast subscribers certainly couldn't do it without you I appreciate all your feedback your testimonials uh, you know so that I can continue to level up with the caliber of what it is content wise guest wise that we bring to you each week again I go live every Friday at 8 a.m pacific 10 central 11 eastern here on the contact talk radio network and again as a reminder you can eventually find the podcast link also on my host page living fearlessly with Lisa McDonald on the c-suite radio network so want to thank c Sweet. I want to thank the Contact Talk Radio Network. I want to also thank my corporate sponsors, Halt and Honda, and Forever for believing in myself and the content we bring to you each week. And I just want to say I'm here to uplift you to fear less and to live more. If you have any questions or you wish to appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, please feel free to reach out to me at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com or lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. Want to wish you a fantastic weekend. Love and gratitude. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>